Steve. God bless you. You may take your seats. Thank you, worship team. Let's give them a hand. As usual, they're faithful. Wow. I mean, that's really encouraging. Come on, let's give them a hand. Let's honor them. Let's thank God for them. Today's service is a special service because after I finish ministering, we will be formally recognizing two very special members as a couple engaged to be married. Hallelujah. Yeah. So we are looking forward to that. Um, it's a real joy to be in church. And I'd like the ushers to help us with the children. It's wonderful that we can have the back there. But if we can keep the movements to a minimum so that the parents are not distracted um, and so that we can all be blessed and our children can also be blessed. Hallelujah. I want to continue the teaching that I have been doing on Blessed to Impact. This is part six. And like I promised you, I'm going to take my time. So if you're already bored with it, just pray that God will give me more anointing. Hallelujah. It's good to see some old faces and some of the Croydon bunch are here. Glory, come on. I think you should stand. The Croydon bunch that are here should stand. Stand, 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 stand. Come on, stand. Yeah, come on, let's celebrate them. Hallelujah. A few of them are here. And so you're going to get a double dose of this teaching. You are really blessed. So we have been talking about, wow, it's awesome. This is a church full of life. Yeah. So stay focused. And if the children are crying and happy, don't worry about it. It's part of life. I will be preaching on. So if you notice, I raise my voice. It's to compensate for our beloved children. Those of you online, you don't know what I'm talking about. All right, we're talking about blessed to impact. This is part six on how to be planted in God's house. How to be planted in God's house. I've been talking about this um, the last times I've been teaching. And so we're just going to recap and then talk about how to be planted in God's house. Psalm 84 verse 4 says this. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. And then Psalm 92 verses 12 to 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So we've been talking about being planted in God's house as one of the ways in which we walk in God's blessings or activate God's blessings on our lives. And we said that being planted in God's house involves dwelling in his presence. Dwelling in his presence. And then secondly, it involves being part 
of a local church. Being part of a local church. And we learn from 1 Timothy 3 verse 15, Paul said to Timothy, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So when we talk about being planted in God's house, we are talking about being joined and established in a local church where God's presence dwells and where you as an individual are living in an open heavens in the presence of God. To be planted in God's house implies that we are positioned in such a way that we are able to develop spiritually and bear lasting fruit. Remember, we're talking about walking in the blessings of God, how to walk in God's blessing and being blessed to impact. And the reality about being blessed to impact is we will demonstrate the kingdom of God because of how we live our lives. We said that as we are planted and we are bearing lasting fruit, that lasting fruit in effect will be people. People that we have won to the Lord and are discipling for Christ. In John chapter 15 verse 16, our Lord said it like this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And in verse 8 of the same chapter, he says this. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Or showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, as one that is planted in the house of God, we will, over time, bear fruit. And the other thing we, we pointed out is this, is that when we talk about being planted in the house of God, within the context where we are able to bear fruit, it implies that it is extremely difficult for us to be uprooted from his house because of how we are established. Like a cedar in Lebanon, as we read in Psalm 92 verse 12. And it is until we are established in this way, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in his courts. In fact, that's verse 13. Verse 12 says this. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And so when you are grounded and rooted this way, what happens is it becomes difficult for you to be uprooted. That's why for certain people, the way they live their lives in one sense, in one sense, it's almost impossible for them to go back. Because they are completely sold out. May it be impossible for you to go back in Jesus' name. They are so rooted and grounded in the Lord that it is not possible for them to be uprooted. That will be your testimony in Jesus' name. So until we are established in this way, like a palm tree or like a cedar in Lebanon, we cannot truly flourish the way these verses in Psalm 92 outline for us. All right. So let's talk about how to be planted in God's house. Now, God does not want us planted in his house in order for us to be a holy huddle or some kind of religious society. 
many of our churches, if we are totally honest, I'm not talking about CLF alone, I'm talking about the body of Christ in general, it is really like a religious club, like a, a, some kind of religious society. And that's why you can have a lot of churches, but still the society in which those churches are in are not really impacted. Because they, you can be going to church and not planted in God's house. You can be a church goer who goes to church, pays their tithes, sing in the choir, and do all kinds of things in church, but you are not planted in God's house. Remember, God's house has to be being in a local church and living in an open heaven whereby you abide in the presence of God. And it is out of that that you do your life. The purpose of the local church is to establish us in reality. It is the pillar and the ground of truth. It's to establish us in reality so that Christ is revealed in us and through us. And over time, we begin to influence others who come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and who also begin to follow him completely. So the whole purpose of us being planted in God's house is in order for us to be so empowered that we are impacting others with the kingdom of God. And this is why we share the gospel. This is why we evangelize. And this is why we plant out. This is why we plant out. Certainly this is why CLF is committed to making disciples and planting churches because it is not simply about having a big congregation where we all gather together once a week and we have a great time. But it's about being able to be salt and light wherever God has placed us. Can you say amen? Now we can have some we can learn some lessons from the first church about how we are planted in God's house. And I want to repeat this. Many people go to church, but they are not planted in God's house. In fact, sometimes, even in CLF in our history, we've been going for 25 years, and so I've had the privilege of seeing many of you grow up. Hallelujah, glory to God. And I was sharing with some of the, 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 the leaders on Thursday in our apostolic forum, I was sharing with them that one of my big concerns is about the youth and about our children. Because I realize that our youth and our children, when I talk about youth, I'm talking about late teens and our 20s, even though 20s, you're not really youth. Hallelujah. The younger generation. What worries me about them is, is this. I am not seeing what I saw when God was dealing with us when we were late teens and early 20s. I mean, how many of you have been enjoying this 21-day fasting thing? Okay, or enduring it? Yeah. I mean, when we were younger, this kind of fast was like easy peasy. Because in our 20s, we would fast three days on water, seven days on water. We, well, I never did seven 24-hour days on water. I would do seven days on water till the evening. And, you know, till six. And that was, or, you know, 21 days on water. We, um, you know, some of my friends, they were even more crazier. They would do 40 days on water, seven days without food and water. We were doing this, not because the church called the program, but because there was a fire, a burden in our hearts. 
And I realized that we had visitations. Those were visitations of God. But when I look at this generation coming, I'm not seeing that. And that really worries me. And when I look at some of our leaders even, I don't see that kind of zeal and fire and passion. And that worries me. I hear all kinds of reasons why it shouldn't be done. We're very busy. We have to take the children to this. We have to go here. We have to go there. I really thank God I also have children. Hallelujah. Glory. So that I cannot be bullied with children. We've been there already. Are you still here? Have you gone home? Have you gone home? The point I'm trying to make is this. Going to church week to week is not being planted in the house of God. It's not being established in the courts of your Lord. Where you flourish in his presence. What does it mean to, to flourish in the courts of our God? It means you have an open heavens where you dialogue with him. And he's dialoguing with you. Where you hear him and he hears you. And out of that reality you do life. That's why you're flourishing. So we can have some lessons. We can learn some lessons from the first church. About how we begin the journey of being planted. In the house of God. From being outside of the faith to coming into the house of God. How can we help people to become established and planted in the house of God where eventually they flourish? I want you to observe seven key things from Acts chapter 2 verses 37 to 43. Now Peter had just preached the gospel. He had preached about Jesus, about his death, his burial, his resurrection. He had spoken to um, this audience about what had happened and because they had seen the sign of the new kingdom as these guys were speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit had come upon them. And so they thought, oh, these people are drunk with new wine and so forth. And Peter began to explain that, no, this is actually a fulfillment of scripture. And he preached and he preached and he preached. And in verse 37, the scripture says, the reading from verse 37 to 43, he says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise of the Spirit is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. I added the spirit because that's implied. As many as the Lord our God will call. 40. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying. Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. And fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now I want to highlight seven things that we can learn from this narrative about how anyone can begin to be planted in the house of God. Number one, because this year... Is how the first church was born. And how that first church, which is the house of God, was born. And from that one church, we all are in the kingdom today. So let's learn some truth. Number one, to be able to be joined or 
planted in God's house, we must first hear the gospel message. We must first hear the gospel message about Jesus, about his death, his burial, and resurrection. Because it is through the gospel message that we have the opportunity to join God's house. Now let me say this. There are many things that people hear. And from what they hear, they decide to become part of a church. But if it is not the gospel, then over time there will be a problem. You see, the, the challenge that many of us have today is this. The kind of message that is very loudly being proclaimed is oriented towards us having our needs met. So you will find that people go to church to have their needs met. Maybe even today, that's why you came here. I want to have my needs met by the juju magician. I mean by, 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 by. <laughs> I want to have my needs met. But you see, it sounds good. It sounds powerful. But it is not the scriptural way of being part of the church of the living God. Because when the church gathers, the priority is actually what? To worship God. To worship God. And secondly, to learn how to follow Jesus Christ. And if within that context, we have our needs, immediate needs, that's fantastic. But the purpose of the gathering of the saints is not in order to have our needs met. It's not. So this is why you will find there are what I call deliverance junkies. They'll go to one deliverance service to another. One healing service to another. One prophetic service to another. Now I'm not against those things. They have their place. But the purpose of the gathering is primarily to worship God. And by worship God, it means we give God the worth that is due to him. You take this morning service here. I mean, the fact that we can casually turn up to God's house tells you there is something wrong with how we give God his worth. There is something seriously wrong. I mean, there is no way the way in which God's people, and this is not just a CLF phenomenon, this is not just a black phenomenon, this is a society phenomenon, because many of my, my friends who pastor churches predominantly white, they are now having the same problem. I don't know whether they caught it from a certain people group, I don't know. But they're now having the same problem, where the people of God are habitually late. We break that thing from CLF in Jesus' name. From today, it goes. But you have to hear the gospel message. And look, in verse 37, it says, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. When they heard the gospel message, it did something to them. It cut them to the heart. It made them very uncomfortable. Today, in many of our pulpits, people don't want to feel uncomfortable. In fact, many pastors do their utmost best to make sure that their members are not uncomfortable with what they are hearing. We shall see on that day who's right. But I think I'm right. As I said, men and brethren, what shall we do? 
So the first thing about joining or being planted in God's house is to examine your heart within the context of the gospel. The second thing is this. And by the way, before I go to the second thing, Romans 10, 14 says this. How then shall they hear and call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? The reason I read this verse is this. There are those who say, you know, today's generation doesn't need preaching. This is not a preaching. This is not a generation. Preaching is old school. We need new ways, acts of kindness. Um, what was the other funny thing that we say these days? We, we, we don't need preaching. We should have pictures and we, we visual communication. This is, not a, this is not time for preaching. According to Romans chapter 10 verse 14. How shall they call on him in whom? How shall they hear without a preacher? Not without a movie. <laughs> What's a preacher? Someone who proclaims, who declares, who speaks. As Jonathan Conrad was saying the other day, Francis Assisi's quote, which I've never liked. You know, preach the gospel at all costs. And if necessary, use words. Which I've never liked it. And he said the truth is heresy. That is a heretical statement. If possible, use words. What nonsense. We're supposed to use words. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Nonsense. Let's move on quickly. We don't have a lot of time. Hallelujah. But the first thing. If you want to be established in God's house. You must hear the gospel. It is through the vehicle of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is his death, burial, and resurrection, why Jesus came, which was to die for our sins, because we're all damned to hell. We're all going to burn in the lake forever, because that's what we all deserved. And then Jesus came and rescued us from the punishment, the wrath of God. Came to rescue us from God's wrath against sin oh no don't say that that's too harsh it makes God look like he's mean I don't care that's what the Bible says God doesn't need PR God does not need PR nonsense people want to make it oh God is not so bad the Bible says behold the goodness and severity of God goodness if you continue in his goodness otherwise you also will be cut off there are two sides to God. Very good. Very severe. Which one would you like? Let's move on quickly. There's a preaching anointing on here today. Specially tailor-made for this group. <laughs> Secondly, how do we become established in God's house? Not only do we need to hear the gospel, we need to repent and be baptized for our sins to be washed away. Verse 38, the first section, Peter's response was, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. What does that mean? Repent means you change your attitude and you change the direction in which you are living your life for, from living for yourself to living for God. You know what? When we give our lives to Jesus, you don't even need to ask him to forgive you of your sins. 
Because, let me tell you, you can say to God, forgive me of my sins all you like. But if you don't agree with him about the sin, the sin remains. When the scripture says, confess your, uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He's not talking about if we say to God, I did this thing and I did that thing. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you agree with God about your sins. The word confess means to say the same as. So if you agree with God about your sins, that your sins are bad, even though it feels good. Now there are many sins that are very pleasant to the senses. You know, there are some sins that you don't even think is a sin. And I'm talking born again. Hey, some people say, my conscience doesn't trouble me when I do this thing. So it can't be wrong. Your conscience is faulty. That's why. Because when the Bible says something is a sin, case closed. Like the Bible says homosexuality is a sin, case closed. Look at you getting nervous. He said it. Yeah, I've said it. The Bible says fornication is a sin, case closed. The Bible says adultery is a sin, case closed. The Bible says cohabitation is a sin. It actually doesn't say cohabitation, but cohabitation is simply this. Where you live with someone for a long time and you haven't married them and you are having sex regularly or from time to time as you feel like it. That's as bad as homosexuality. It's the same. It's the same. 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 There's no difference in God's eyes. There's a lot of difference in Christians' eyes, but there's no difference in God's eyes. Because there are many Christians who cohabit. Cohabit. And they use the word, this is my partner. If you want to be religious, you should say, this is my unclean partner. We are both unclean. Without repentant hearts, all we have are unbelievers who are religious in our churches. Unbelievers in the religious environment, and that is a very dangerous affair. Because they will be stubborn like the unbeliever. They will be unforgiving like the unbeliever. They will be self-willed like the unbeliever. They will behave just like the unbeliever and feel good about themselves. There is no fear of God in their hearts about what they do. Because they have not repented. They have not repented. Now let me tell you, you can get wet and your sins are still remain. What do I mean? You can be dunked in water under the guise of baptism, but if you have not repented, you have not believed in Jesus, your sins are still there. I have seen it happen before. My brother Alfred, many years ago, some of you heard the story. Before he gave his life to the Lord, it was a, a non hill carnival day. He went carnival, and then from carnival, they were checking some ladies, moving about, checking and did some drug deals. They were doing all of that. Through the day, they were doing things. Things were going smooth for them. And in the evening, I'd invited them to church, so they came to church. They came to church a bit high, because they'd been spliffing it out, like some of the Christians do these days. Spliffing, charging. They came to service, service nice. That's how they said, service nice. <laughs> music nice, drum music nice. Mm, mm, mm. What a great day to praise Allah, what a great day. 
See, the church I went to was a predominant West Indian church and the music had some kick to it. Our church is kind of, it's not so West Indian. What the great, anyway, so, so, um, then the preacher preached a message, message nice. Who wants to get baptized? I see my brother raise his hand, yeah man. It's been a good day. And I knew my, yeah, that, and I knew my brother was not saved. So I said, no, 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 he can't. The, my, the, the, the man who was more mature than me, more spiritual than me, said, no. He wants to get baptized. I said, he's not saved. So, Joe, man, what are you spoiling my fan for? So, we dumped him in the water. He got baptized. I was so angry. I was angry because I knew this is rubbish. So this is rubbish. My brother, he's not giving his life to Christ. He's not saved. I know by the spirit, I can tell this man is not saved. He got wet, left the church, never came back. I asked him, why did you do this? He said, man, it was such a great day. I just wanted to seal it. That's why he got wet. So the ritual of baptism itself is not what saves you. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Without the faith in Jesus Christ, you are just wet. Are you still here? Now, baptism, however, is very necessary once you hear the gospel and surrender your life to Christ. It is very necessary because it allows our forgiven sins to be washed away. And it's, again, it's not just an outward evidence of an internal work. It is that for sure. But it's also supernatural. It's like the communion elements. They're just bread and wine. But when you take the bread and the wine, it becomes the spiritual body and the spiritual blood of Jesus Christ. That's why you can say this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. It's not a literal body. It's the spiritual body. In the same way, we don't literally die when we're baptized. We're spiritually buried because we're spiritually dead already and your sins are washed away. Acts 22, 16, Paul is asked a question by Ananias and now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. The third way in which we allow ourselves to be established and planted in the house of God is this. After we have repented and been baptized, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit and his gifts if we want to be grounded in God's house. He says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you, to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now it does not mean that if you do not speak in tongues, you have not received the Holy Spirit. That's not what we are saying. But it means that our heart is open to the Holy Spirit and all his gifts and all his workings. We are to be as open to a daily relationship with the Holy Spirit as we are open to being reliant on the grace of God on a daily basis. We are to be as open to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit as we are reliant on a daily basis to remaining in the love of God. The benediction points this out. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? The fellowship, the partnership, the Greek word koinonia, partnership, interaction with the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. As a child of God, 
The Holy Spirit wants to take leadership in your life and govern your mind, your emotions, your decisions, and be the superintendent or the leader that governs you into all truth. Without him, the Christian walk is impossible. It's not possible to live holy without the Holy Spirit. It's not possible to remain in the fruit of the Spirit without the Holy Spirit. It's not possible to grow in strength without the Holy Spirit. It's not possible to remain fresh, week in, week out, year in, year out, without the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. It's impossible. And we need him. Fourth point. If we want to be established and grounded in God's house, we must turn from this world system. We must reject this world system. Look at what he says in verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Be saved from this perverse generation. As a child of God, you must reject the worldview, the paradigm of the world. You must reject it. You must recognize that the world system, I'm not talking about human beings in the world. I'm talking about the system that governs the unrenewed mind. You must reject it. You must be willing to confront it for what it is. It's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Look at what John says in 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. He's not talking about trees and birds. He's talking about the things that govern the world system, which is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. So if your heart has an affinity to the system of this world, it means you have rejected the Father's love. And so if you notice, after they, after they, um, he told them they had to repent and be baptized, he then encouraged them to make sure they reject the world. Turn from this crooked and perverse generation. If you want to be planted and established in God's house, you cannot have one foot here and one foot there. You can't do that. You cannot do that. You have to be committed wholehearted. Otherwise it won't work. You will be really frustrated. As a younger believer, I really hated being a Christian. I heard Jonathan Conrad talk about no Christian has ever regretted giving his life to the Lord. <laughs> you haven't obviously haven't met Joseph. I really hated it. For what a load of rubbish. This is rubbish. This Christian thing is rubbish. How? My life is ruined. Honestly, that's what I, I said. I said to myself, my life is ruined. Because I can't have sex. And because I wasn't married, I'm only 16. Who am I gonna marry? I can't have sex. I can't swear, I swear and then I feel bad and I used to love swearing. How many of you still like swearing? I can't, I can't you know, any time I do something wrong, I have, I have to go and apologize. It's really rubbish. So I, have, I have to keep apologizing. Anytime me and my mom, we didn't get on, we didn't like each other. Bless her, I love her now, she loves me now. But we didn't like each other before. We didn't like each other. So... If she said, I could say, nonsense. Honestly. And then I get saved. And I still didn't like her after I got saved. Because my mind needed to be renewed. I'm not going to lie. Like some of you, you still don't like some people. 
and then you pretend I, I really love everyone no you don't you don't like that one you don't like that one and so the Holy Spirit would deal with me and I would have to go and repent and I'd look like a real fool after if she said that, I said, oh, and then as I walk off I'll come back, mom, what do you want? And you know, African parents, they're not very polite. I mean, our generation, we are better. But you have to reject the world. You have to reject the way the world looks at things. You have to. If you want to be established in God's house. Fifth point. Some of you are looking a bit guilty at the mom and the parent thing. You should go home and apologize to your parents. Some of you need to go home and apologize to your parents for how you have been behaving. You are acting like you're a king, a queen in the house. You're not. You're just a boy. You're just a child. You're still under your parents' roof. You should repent in Jesus' name. Fifth point, if you want to be established in God's house, we must identify with specific a specific local church group. Notice 41. Then those who gladly received this word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. If you want to be established in God's house, you can't just say, as for me, I don't need a church. Any church is my church. Listen, this church is currently not your church, if any church is your church. I don't know you. Nobody here knows you. you, 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 you how can any church be your church? What nonsense. We have a welfare fund. You can't just, you can't say, any church, my church, uh, me too, I need some of that welfare fund. No, people have been paying their tithe. Are you still here? And even those who don't pay tithe, they've been giving offerings more. And even those who don't give offerings more, they still come, so they help with the chairs. They still do something. <laughs> so they have access. But on a serious point, after we surrender our lives to Christ, just like these ones, we have to be joined to a church fellowship. And there is no perfect church. So if you find it, don't join it because you will spoil it. There is no perfect church. Every church will have its issues. Some churches will have a preacher like me, that's a problem. Others will have members like you, that's also a problem. <clears throat> there is no perfect church. But sometimes God will just bring you to a place. Maybe this is one of those places. Hallelujah. So this is it. Come, you're very welcome. But you need to be part of a local church. Not a visitor. But joined to the church. And by the way, when you're joined to a local church, you have ups and downs. I've been a member of two churches, my former church and CLF. And in my old church, I had many reasons not to be there. Because some of the people were not nice. Some of the people were cruel. Some of the people were insensitive. But there were also people who were nice. There were also people who were very sensitive, very kind. Are you listening? Yeah. Some of the preachers were really good. And some of the preachers were really rubbish. It's, it's how it is. So there will be no perfect church. And Hebrews 10.25 says this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exalting one another and all the more you see that they're approaching. You have to be part of a church and consistently plugging into the life of that church. More about that later. Sixth point. 
if we want to be established and grounded and planted in a local church, not only must we join a church, we must be committed to discipleship. Verse 42 says, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And I believe that this point is where many believers fall short. They are part of a church, they've joined the church, but they are not committed to being discipled in that church. Whether you call it mentoring, whether you call it discipleship, but where you are being helped to grow in your faith and you are accountable. Look, they continued steadfastly. In other words, they were committed to four things. They're the pillars of any church. Apostles teaching. That is the teaching of God's word. They were committed to apostles teaching. They were committed to fellowship. Their fellowship. They were committed to the, the, being part of the group of people that they were joined to. They were committed to breaking bread. Very important ordinance. And they were committed to prayer. Together. Philippians 3.10 says this. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. Discipleship, in essence, is a commitment to know Jesus. You're committed to knowing Jesus. You're committed to learning from Jesus through the people he brings your way. And finally, from these verses, you'll notice this. Once these six things are established, something will happen. The fear of the Lord will become a dominant characteristic. Verse 43 says this, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Fear came upon every soul. This is every soul in the church. Not outside. In the church. The fear of the Lord. Once they had done these things, the fear of the Lord was the automatic response. The Spirit of God released the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Job 28, 28. He says this. And to man he said, behold, look, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. The reason why many of us can sin without impunity is because there is no fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord governs every action. So you, 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 you live your life with this paradigm. Will this please the Lord? Is this right before God? If it's not, you're scared. You're scared. The fear of the Lord is an indicator that we are planted in God's house. When you have the fear of the Lord, it, it tells you that you're planted in God's house. When you can just do anything anyhow, you can just swear, you can just curse, you can just fornicate, you can just watch pornography, just watch the thing with impunity, flick from channel to channel, side to side. The other day, I was minding my own business. I really was. As I was looking at Facebook, you know, research. And honestly, I clicked on, you know, you go, and, and, I, and I thought, no, it cannot be. And it was. And I had to, quickly. And I thought, really? I went, no, 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 no. But some of you, some of us, eh, let's see again. Eh, huh. Eh, and go to a side, 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 side. Hey, this is really, oh, this is really bad. Oh, oh. 
Say to your neighbor, he's not talking about me. Tell your neighbor, he's not talking about me. We're going to stop there. But I want to encourage you as a man, as a woman of God, as a child of God, to be planted in God's house. If you're part of this church, be planted in God's house, this church. If you're part of another local church, be planted in that house. If you don't have a church, look for a church and be planted. This is one that you can be a part of. But more important than that, I want every head bowed and every eye closed at this point. If you have not received Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and your Savior, then you cannot be planted in God's house. You can be a member of a church, but you're not planted in God's house. So I want to give opportunity to anybody who wants to surrender their life to Christ. I want to pray with you. If that is you and you're saying, I want to surrender my life to Christ, where you're seated right now, raise your right hand. I want to pray with you. Before I do anything else, God bless your life. If there's anybody else like that, keep your hand raised. God bless your life. God bless your life. Wonderful. If there's anybody else, keep your hand raised. I want to pray with you. All right. That's the first thing. The second thing I want to do is, maybe you can put your hand down now. God bless you. The second thing I want to do is, maybe you have given your life to Christ. You've been serving him, but you are not in a local church. And you've lost your way. And you are saying, you want to come back to the Lord. And you want to be part of his church. Not necessarily even this church here, but part of his church. If that is you, raise your right hand where you are. I also want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful. Those of you who raise your hands, we're going to pray a prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to pray this prayer of me. Heavenly Father, just pray out loud. Heavenly Father, those of you that raise your hands, just raise your hands to the Lord right now, quietly where you're seated. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you. I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. And I confess that you raised him from the dead. I receive him as the Lord of my life. Today, I dedicate myself to you. Fill me with your spirit. And I will follow you forever. In Jesus' name. Those of you who raise your hands, I want you to rise to your feet. I want the church to rise to your feet. If we can all stand, those of you raising, I want you to come to the front. I want to pray over you very specific before we change the order of service. So if you raise your hands and you came with somebody, just come right now. I just want to quickly pray over you. Just leave your seat, come. And I want the ministers to help me, them, or the different ones. Just come quickly. I want to pray with you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sis. Just quickly, those of you who raise your hand, come. If you didn't raise your hand but you want to come, just come quickly. Those of you who raise your hand, either to come back to the house of God or to surrender your life to Christ, quickly just come. Just come. Let's give them a hand as they're coming. Let's give them a hand. Quickly. God bless you. God bless you. We're going to pray with you. I want you to stretch out your hands towards these ones. And I want the different ones to help us in terms of the um, cell leaders, the discipleship group leaders and different ones. If you can come quickly, I want you to help us. We're going to just pray with these ones. Just as you're standing here, stretch your hands out towards them. Those of you standing here, raise your hands to the Lord.
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these precious ones right now. And I ask for your grace and I ask for your strength upon them. Lord, as they commit themselves to you and as they dedicate themselves to you, let new grace come upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. If you can go with them in that room and just minister to them some more. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, let's give them a hand. Let's give them a hand. Go with them. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, I am blessed. We're now going to change the order of the service. And uh, we are going to formally recognize the engagement of two very lovely, wonderful people. I would like Joseph Afola B. Okurumade and Cherie Alexander Hagen Morgan to make their way to the front, please. Hallelujah. This has been a journey. 